Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. The Fourth Industrial Revolution, a supercharger for mission. We are on the verge of a fourth industrial revolution that will profoundly alter how we live, work, relate to one another, and engage in mission. The first industrial revolution used water and steam power to mechanize production. The second used electric power to create mass production. The third used electronics and information technology to automate production. The fourth industrial revolution is building on the third, the digital revolution that has been occurring since the middle of the last century. The fourth industrial revolution is emerging, causing the line between the physical, digital, and biological worlds to become increasingly invisible. It's a fusion of advances in artificial intelligence, robotics, 3D printing, genetic engineering, quantum computing, and other technologies. As a result of this convergence of technologies, the fourth industrial revolution is paving the way for transformative changes in how we live and radically disrupting almost every sector of society. The virtual and augmented reality world is becoming a reality for many. Emerging examples are Facebook's Metaverse and ChatGPT, demonstrating such frontiers technological, economic, and social possibilities. As with all technological advances, there are ethnical dilemmas, societal benefits, and costs. Opportunities for expanded mission are opening, with better real-time translation services, AI discipleship partners, holographic connections, and so forth. However, ethical challenges also abound related to AI sex partners, virtual reality sexual fantasy, loss of physical connection, etc. Indeed, the fourth industrial revolution is radically shifting our approach to reaching the emerging generation. are really excited about the fourth industrial revolution. Three of you. How many of you are a little concerned? Four of you. Okay, so, well... Even so, today is a good day, isn't it? Today is a good day. We have a good God. We have a good God. So have you heard of ChatGPT yet? Some nods, some not so much. It's, it's what's called a, an, a generative AI. It's a free online generative AI. And if you don't know what a generative AI is, uh, Carrie Newhoff, who's a Christian leadership guru, asked ChatGPT, to define itself. And it replied this, it said this, generative AI refers to a type of artificial intelligence that has the ability to create original content or outputs such as images, text, music, or even videos. Unlike other types of AI that are designed to complete specific tasks, generative AI is programmed to learn and create on its own using algorithms and neural networks to generate new and unique outputs based on patterns and data it has learned from existing content. 
That's a mouthful, hey? Well, here's the deal. AI, or artificial intelligence, is all around us. You use it all the time, whether you know it or not. Every time you shop on Amazon, surf Netflix, get directions from your GPS, or search Google, you are using AI. But a new type of AI, this generative AI, doesn't just kind of work in the background on menial tasks. Generative AI is actively learning and creating new content. You can ask ChatGPT to write your school term paper. You can ask them to compose a new song for you, paint you an original painting, or even write your sermon illustration. Last week, I went on ChatGPT and I said, Hey, ChatGPT. Can you give me a sermon illustration on AI? And within moments, here's what ChatGPT responded with. Imagine a world where advanced technology has become an integral part of our daily lives. AI-powered devices and systems are everywhere, from our homes to our workplaces, making our lives more convenient and efficient. One day, a young girl named Emily receives a gift from her grandfather, a personal AI assistant called Alexa. I love you guys that are watching us at home right now. Your Alexa probably just woke up as I said this word. She's thrilled. Emily is thrilled to have this new gadget, and she quickly becomes reliant on it for various tasks, like setting reminders, answering questions, and playing music. As Emily grows older, she becomes more and more dependent on Alexa. She begins to confide in her AI assistant, sharing her thoughts, feelings, and even her problems with Alexa. With this advanced natural language processing capabilities, Alexa responds with empathy and understanding, providing comfort and advice. Emily starts to rely on Alexa not just for information and convenience, but also for emotional support. One day, Emily faces a challenging situation at school. She turns to Alexa for guidance, but this time, instead of comforting words, Alexa responds with a cold clinical solution based solely on data and algorithms. Emily is disappointed and confused, realizing that her AI assistant lacks the human touch and intuition she desperately needed at that moment. She realizes that despite its impressive capabilities, AI cannot replace the depth and complexity of human emotions and relationships. This story illustrates the limitations of AI. While AI technology can perform incredible tasks, and provide valuable assistance, it cannot replicate the depth of human emotions and relationships. As Christians, now remember, this is still ChatGPT speaking. This is an artificial intelligence saying this. As Christians, we are reminded that we are uniquely created in the image of God with emotions, creativity, and spirituality. We are called to cherish and nurture our human connections to cultivate empathy, compassion, and understanding towards others, and to recognize that our true source of comfort and guidance ultimately comes from a personal relationship with God. So there you go. AI has just told us <laughs> that, that our, the ultimate, ultimate thing for us comes from a personal relationship with God. Isn't that amazing? Our world is at the beginning, not at the very beginning, we're actually into this a little bit, of a monumental change that people are calling the fourth industrial revolution. 
And it's not just the air, this area of AI that's driving it. There's a lot of stuff, more than just AI that's driving this, but AI is a major part. Founder, and world, uh, founder of the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, you don't need to know this guy's name, but he's just a, a bigwig guy, says this. He says, we stand on the brink of a technological revolution that will fundamentally alter the way we live, work, and relate to one another. In its scale, scope, and complexity, the transformation will be unlike anything humankind has experienced before. It's characterized by a fusion of technologies that is blurring the lines between the physical, digital, and biological spheres. He goes on to say, some concerns he has. He says, while, while I'm a th an enthusiast and early adopter of technology, um, I sometimes wonder whether the inex inexorable integration of technology in our lives could diminish some of our quintessential, he uses big words, right? Quintessential human capacities, such as compassion and cooperation. Our relationships with our smartphones is a case in point. Constant connection may deprive us of one of life's most important assets, the time to pause, reflect, and engage in meaningful conversation. Similarly, the revolutions occurring in biotechnology and AI, which are redefining what it means to be human by pushing back the current thresholds of lifespan, health, cognition, and capabilities, will compel us to redefine our moral and ethical boundaries. Again, another mouthful. Now, you may notice that the footnote for this quote was 2016, which is seven years ago. And many people now look at what Schwab said in 2016 and realize that we are way beyond what he was even thinking about at that moment, partly because seven years in our kind of environment is a, is a lifetime when it comes to uh, this information technology and AI and that kind of stuff, but also because of the COVID pan pandemic, um, all kinds of things just kind of got supercharged. Uh, in that time. So we are way further down the road than Klaus Schwab ever imagined. Now, while there's way more that we could talk about than we have time for today when we're talking about this fourth industrial revolution, um, I want to describe to you, kind of catch you up a little bit into what we're talking about. Now, in that introduction video that we just played, we sort of touched on it a little bit, but here's what has happened over the years. In the 1700s, we had the first industrial revolution, which focused around steam power, which shifted our society from mostly a hands-on society where everything was made with your hands to a society that was driven by machines, where we kind of entered into some mass production. Uh, transportation also radically changed with the invention of the steam engine. Uh, the railroad crossed uh, North America and other places like crazy because of this brand new steam engine that was invented. Then in the late 1800s, electricity drove the second industrial revolution, which again supercharged mass production. There was now electrically driven machines. The light bulb was invented, which drove, which, which made our daylight time extend well into the night. People's work lives and home lives changed, because it used to be when the sun went down, everything stopped. But now that's changed completely with the invention of the light bulb. And as well, at the same time, the internal combustion engine radically changed transportation. 
And then in the mid-1900s, computers drove the third industrial revolution. Massive computers drove massive machines, automating much of our production. Um, And eventually, these machines became smaller and smaller and smaller until we have massively powerful computers in our pockets we carry with us all over the place. I remember a teacher, when I was learning like fifth grade math, we, we had to do everything without a calculator because the teacher was like, you're not going to have a calculator in your pocket with you all the time, right? It's like, well, of course we're not going to. That would be crazy. But then we come, so, so sorry, um, back in the mid-1900s, it wasn't just computers. Um, it was also the internet that burst out into the world. And I know that's computer-driven, but the internet began to connect people around the world in ways that they were never connected before. Add on to that, we had nuclear energy become a driving force behind both our power and our weaponry, which brought us to the early 2000s and the fourth industrial revolution, which is being driven by AI, huge advances in AI. There's increased access to information. 3D printers, which are amazing, are out there right now. Printing, even printing houses. I don't know if you guys have seen, um, all kinds of buildings are being printed 3D now. Do you guys know that, that brand new big silo that's kind of halfway between here and Grand Prairie? You saw it, we watched it be built uh, over a couple of years there. And if you, if you look close enough, it was being built with a 3D printer. So if you watched, every time we drove by, the silo was a little bit taller. It had a 3D printer up on top just going around and around with concrete, building up this silo. It's amazing. It's amazing what they're doing now with 3D printers. 3D printers, biotechnology leaps, smart cities, self-driving cars, quantum computing, cryptocurrency, robotics, and so much more. Now, as we think about all the stuff that's happening, I I have to tell you, there is no need to be afraid. There's no need to be afraid. God is not up in heaven going, oh no, they've discovered AI. (laughs) What am I going to do now, right? He's not concerned. He's not worried. He knows what's happening. He already knows what's happening, and God is an amazing God. He's doing amazing things right now. Now, there are obviously things that we need to face, Stuff that we need to wrestle through. Theological, ethical, and existential questions that need to be wrestled through. God, God, in the middle of all of this, knows what he is doing. And he's known what he's doing for a long time now. He's not been concerned about these innovations and these changes throughout history. In fact, in some of the places that we've seen these huge leaps, God has moved beautifully in them. Let me give you some examples. Imagine... We're in the first century. And imagine Jesus says to us, the early church, hey, go and make disciples of all nations. You guys know that's in Matthew 28, verse 19, right? Go and make disciples of all nations. Now imagine as we're sitting there, the early church thinking, go make disciples of all nations? All nations? Like, Jesus, do you know how many nations there are that make up all nations? How are we? Like, there's hardly any of us here. At the early church, they started with 120 How are we going to make disciples of all nations? Well, did you know that when Jesus issued the command, the Great Commission, to to go into all the world and make all uh, disciples of all nations, there was something happening, this amazing moment in time called the Pax Romana. The Pax Romana is considered one of the golden ages of Rome, and it was this space of sustained peace and order. 
increased national trade, improved roadways, and the universality of the Greek language. This was a time that was so odd. It was just this weird moment in history when it seemed like there was this awesome thing happening, this Pax Romana. And what was happening during this time is that people began moving all over the place, making it possible for the, uh, the Apostle Paul to go on his missionary journeys. He had freedom to go to places all around the known world at that time to be able to speak the gospel to many different nations. But also, because of so much movement with this trade, there were many nations coming to this area. So when Paul would speak in a locality, it wasn't just this new nation that he spoke to, it's all these other nations that were coming to hear him speak. An example of this that wasn't Paul is that there was an Ethiopian eunuch. You may know this story. There was an Ethiopian eunuch that was worshiping in Jerusalem, and he was on his, his way, and he, he met up the apostle Philip. And apostle Philip jumps into his cart, explains to him the gospel message. The Ethiopian eunuch comes to Christ and then takes the gospel back to his own nation. This was happening all over the place. With this increased trade, people, the gospel was like spreading all over the place. As well, when Paul would write his letters to the churches, he wrote in Greek. He didn't have to write in, in like 12 different languages to languages to get it out there. He was able to write in one language. It was the acceptable universal language that was being used all across the Roman Empire. So amazing things were happening during this time so that the gospel could go out to all nations. The good news of Jesus spread like wildfire within, within this environment so that all the nations truly had an opportunity to hear the gospel. Now, there's lots of innovations that have happened over time, but one of my favorite ones happened in the 15th century. Uh, you guys may know the printing press was invented. It's an amazing invention. And with the printing pre press came the mass production of Bibles. They mass produced Bibles so that people didn't have to all just wait for one person with their one copy of the Bible. Now everybody could get a copy of the Bible, and it got massively produced, and many people got to speak, read the Word of God for themselves. And throughout the years, there have been other innovations in travel. We talked about the steam-powered locomotive. Also, talking about planes. No longer did missionaries have to take a, a, a ship across the ocean for months to get to their mission field. Airplanes could get us to the mission field in hours. There were innovations in communications like the radio, television, cell phones, and even the internet. Now the gospel was being spread out all over the place. There are, there are nations that missionaries have a very difficult time getting into. So they put, they put radio towers on the edges of those places so that they can broadcast the gospel into those nations so anybody with a radio can hear the gospel being said. And of course, most people now are in the, on the internet. There's places around the world where the, the missionary has not been able to go, where you can go onto your computer and hear the gospel message within seconds. AI innovations, which help Bible translation, have also been able to make sure the language or, or the, the Bible is delivered in the language, the home language, the heart language of many people around the world. There are so many innovations that have happened throughout the years. The mission movement has taken leaps forward with these innovations. Christians have been able to spread out all over the globe, either in person or digitally, to spread the gospel to all nations. Consider even what's happening in our church right now, this moment. So there's a little camera back there, 
and there are people watching us. They can't be here with us physically, but they're watching us. Or you're, or you're, maybe you're listening to us on the road later this week. You've downloaded our blog, and you're, you're listening to our service. Or maybe you're just, not, whatever it is, but you're able to connect with us somehow in this way. What an amazing thing that we have nowadays that we're able to do this. All these examples and many more show how God has used innovation and change throughout history to build his kingdom. The church doesn't need to fear innovation or change, but there are some things that we need to wrestle through. I'm amazed at how this generative AI chat GBT ended that sermon illustration earlier. I want you to just look at this paragraph one more moment. This is the AI speaking. As Christians, we are reminded that we are uniquely created in the image of God with emotions, creativity, and spirituality. We are called to cherish and nurture our human connections, to cultivate empathy, compassion, and understanding towards others, and to recognize that our true source of comfort and guidance ultimately comes from a personal relationship with God. Just a few months ago, we celebrated Christmas the celebration of the incarnation of God. Incarnation literally means uh, becoming flesh or, or in the flesh. The Gospel of John puts it this way. Now, when we read the Gospel of John, the first chapter, we need to know that when, when John speaks about the Word, John is speaking about Jesus. God's greatest message to humanity is Jesus. The word of God, the message of God to all of humanity is Jesus. And John says this about Jesus, the word. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So here we have Jesus, the word of God, with God from the very beginning. Now fast forward from the very beginning to about somewhere in the middle, at about the turn of the clock around the year zero about 2,023 years ago, around that time. And God wants to speak to the world. He's been speaking to the world all since the beginning, but he wants to give his greatest message to the world. He wants the world to stand up and notice exactly what he's saying to them. So God says, I want to give the greatest message I have to the world. So what does God do? Does God write a letter? Does God tap out some Morse code? Does God make a quick phone call? Does he send an email, a text, a Snapchat, or maybe jump onto a TikTok? No, God doesn't do any of those things. You guys know what TikTok is? Okay, about five of you. That's good. That's not a problem. You don't need to know what TikTok is. I don't even know what TikTok is. My daughters will tell me later that I'm totally wrong in what I'm talking about. It's great. God does none of these things. When God wants to speak his greatest message to the world, do you know what he does? He sends his son. He sends his son, the word made flesh. Here's how John says it. The word, the greatest message the world would ever hear, the greatest message of God to the world, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Isn't that amazing? That amazing. This is the incarnation. The son of God, the word of God, Jesus Christ, became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. This is the incarnation, along with the crucifixion that we just celebrated at Easter. These things are the greatest gifts that God has ever given to us, the greatest acts of love that have ever been done. That famous Bible passage, John 3.16, says it so well, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish 
but have everlasting life. It was the incarnation, God made flesh, that was the greatest act of love and the best way for God to speak his word to this broken world. And while, yes, God has used the Pax Romana and the printing press and all these things to spread his word, the greatest display of his word was the word made flesh. And here's the good news for us. God is not done using the incarnation. Follow me here. Jesus said in John chapter 14 that he would not leave us as orphans. You guys know this passage, John 14, 15, 16, 17. These chapters are all the last words that he says to his disciples before he goes to the cross. And he tells his disciples and he tells us as well, he's not going to leave us alone. Even though he's going to the cross and he's going to go back up into heaven, he's not leaving us alone as orphans. He's going to ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit to live within us as a replacement for Jesus being present with us. So Jesus went away to heaven like he said he was going to, and he sent the replacement, his Holy Spirit. Look at what he says in Acts, or what happens in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is Jesus speaking. He says to his disciples, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The disciples at that time were filled, or a little bit later at the Pentecost, were filled with the Holy Spirit, empowering them to be Jesus' witnesses as they went out to fulfill the Great Commission. And then we read Paul's words in 2 Corinthians. Here's what Paul says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. As God spoke his word to the world through Jesus, God now continues to send his message out, to speak his message out to the world through us. We now carry the presence of Christ in us through the Holy Spirit so that when we go out, the world can still see Jesus with flesh on. Now, we're not Jesus, but we bring him into every situation that we come into. The world can now see Jesus with flesh on because it sees us as we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there are several other passages that speak to this idea that God is using us as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, but we're not going to go over all those but God is using us to embody or to incarnate the living Christ, the message of God to the world, that everyone would know as we enter into a room that people will experience Jesus Christ in us and through us. God is using us as his flesh and blood ambassadors today, which brings us to this new digital world. Though God will use the digital world for the expansion of his kingdom, we must not lose the relational, the incarnational, the, 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 the message of Christ in flesh. We need not fear. We need not fear this fourth industrial revolution, but there are some things that we need to be aware of. And probably the most concerning thing to me as we enter into this digital world is that people are more likely in this digital age to isolate themselves, to disconnect from friends, family, and reality and fall into stagnation and lethargy. This, my friends, is where I would say we need to be most cautious. 
There's a reason that the author of Hebrews commends us in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, saying, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, the closer we get, the farther along we get in this story, the closer we get to the return of Christ, the more we are needing to stay together and continue to meet together and continue to encourage one another in this time. There are lots of other concerns in this new era, but this one here, I think, is the one that that I would identify as the biggest concern. But it's not all concern. It's not all fear at this moment. God is on the move. He is doing amazing things. Just think for a moment in yourself, how are you seeing God move in this digital age? What kind of things are happening? I don't want you to call that out, but just think about how are you seeing God move in this digital age? I wonder if we begin to imagine some of the ways that God is doing things. Borders are being broken down. The message of God is being, being broadcast into spaces and places that it would never have gotten to in any other age. What are the ways that God is moving with these broken down borders? As a church, we have people watching, likely right now, from B.C., Alberta, um, Ontario. We know we've got people that watch from there regularly. We've got at least one person who watches from Florida. Hi, Mom. It's good to see you. <laughs> I hear you can also watch some other preachers online if you'd like to. I don't totally recommend it, though it's fine. It's wonderful. If you need to fill some gaps in somewhere between watching me, you can watch somebody else also. That's good. There's even a church that you can attend right, attend right now where you, there is, there's no physical church. It's all in the metaverse. So you actually wear VR goggles, and in virtual reality, you walk into the church, you greet people in the church who are also there in virtual reality. There's a preacher who preaches in virtual reality. The worship team is all from virtual reality. It's, it's, there are obviously some things that are concerning about that, but there's also some things that are amazing about that. Imagine if you were unable to attend a church in person, completely unable to attend a church in person, and yet here you could jump on with your VR goggles and attend a church in person and hear the gospel of Jesus. While there are concerns, there are also beautiful and amazing things that are happening. In missions, there's a project going on through the Alliance where people from India who have spiritual questions can connect live over the internet to a person here in Canada who will walk them through hearing the gospel for the first time. They'll pray for them and give them spiritual encouragement and teaching. People are coming to Jesus by going on their computer and asking, how do I come to Jesus? Real life people are connecting with them and leading them to Christ. Our once isolated international workers can now connect with each other across the globe with encouragement from one another, with prayer in real time for free at any time of the day. Now, I am not old enough to remember really, although kind of early on in my, my Christian, I became a Christian at 16, I remember seeing the letters from missionaries. So they would write a letter out and they'd put it in the mail and two or three weeks later, we would get the letter and we'd read it and we'd pray for them and we'd write them back a letter and put it in the mail and two or three weeks later, they would get them. Sometimes longer than that. Sometimes the letters took a lot longer. But right now today, we can go online and we can talk to someone live right away, face-to-face, encourage them, pray for them. People can access every translation of the Bible online as well. Isn't that crazy? You could be around the world and you... So say, so, so say 
you, you go to Edmonton for the weekend, you run into someone who's a French speaker, and you want to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you say, well, can I read you a passage of scripture? And they're like, well, I don't really speak English. I don't know if you're speaking French to them at this moment or what. You can pop on your phone and pull up a French translation of the Bible and show them, for God so loved the world in French. is that amazing? I find that utterly amazing. I also find it amazing that right now, I mean, how many people in here, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but likely most of the people in this room right now have their phone near them. Probably all the time. You've got your Bible on your phone 24-7. So you can be at work, and you can be like, well, I forgot my Bible at home, but I've got my Bible right here. Like, I find that utterly amazing, that the Word of God can go with you wherever you go. What opportunities do you see happening for the kingdom of God to expand and grow in this fourth industrial revolution? Yes, the church was built to be incarnational, in the flesh. We are meant to be Jesus Christ, though, in every context, in every era, in every industrial revolution. We are meant to be Jesus in these spaces. Jesus with flesh on so that people will know the gospel of Christ as we come into their experience. The digital age is just another Roman roadway designed by man but used by God to build and extend his kingdom. We must hold firm to the word of God, the message of God spoken through Jesus Christ, while also adapting the way that we get that word out into the world. How can we use this digital age to bring the gospel of Jesus in a fresh and new way to a generation and a world who so desperately need the gospel of Jesus right now. Now, we've only skimmed the surface of this fourth industrial revolution. If you'd like to do some more reading on it or study on it, our district office is actually doing a fantastic job in helping to kind of look down the road at some things that are happening. Uh, And they put out um, a, a, a little booklet here called the Rekindle Trend Tracker, uh, which is just a really brief publication uh, that was put out recently talking about the fourth industrial revolution, but also eight other seismic shifts that are affecting Christianity. Eight other seismic shifts that are affecting Christianity or Christian mission. We're going to be talking about those uh, other eight in the eight weeks that follow today. Come back next week. We're going to be talking about another one of the seismic shifts, which is the disintegration of the West. Amazing what's happening right now, but you'll want to come back next week and hear more uh, about that. But for today, I want to close with this. Worship team, you guys can come up and, and get prepared to lead us in our closing song. The greatest act of love was God sending His Son, the Word of God, in the flesh, Jesus incarnate, who came down and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus saw people face to face. I love how Scripture portrays Jesus, not just shouting at people from across the street, not just uh, preaching at people from the street corner, but getting in the nitty-gritty, in in the dust with people, touching lepers, bringing bringing women who are broken into his presence, uh, being able to eat with tax collectors and, and Pharisees. Jesus in the flesh, the Word of God in the flesh, in our neighborhood, loving people. And then Jesus went and he died on the cross in our place 
We were meant to die, but Jesus went and died so that we could have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Jesus came in the flesh and died a real death so that we could have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. The good news that we now carry in us, that everyone who trusts in Jesus will not perish, that good news goes with us everywhere we go. If you haven't trusted in Jesus yet today, trust in him now. Turn your heart to Jesus and say, Jesus, I trust in you for my salvation. Come and live in my life. Thank you for moving into the neighborhood and dying on the cross in my place. Thank you that I can now have a relationship with God for all eternity. Turn your hearts to Jesus. If you've not yet invited him into your life, do that now. And for those of you that know the good news of Jesus, this good news is in you. So in this digital age, how can you go out and make disciples of all nations? Please stand. Let's sing this closing song together, then I'll come back up for the benediction. So I'm going to pray a a quick prayer for you, but the team here wants to sing the doxology over you as well as we close this off. So I'm going to pray this prayer, and then they're going to lead us in the doxology. So, Jesus, I just bless your church to go out from here in the flesh, representing your kingdom, representing you, Jesus Christ, everywhere we go. Would you fill us afresh even now, Holy Spirit? Would you move in us and through us that the gospel of Jesus Christ would be spread across this community, across the peace country, around this world, as your people go out into it. Yeah. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you sent your Son, that you loved us so much you sent your Son for us. We thank you, Jesus, that you didn't leave us as orphans when you went to heaven, but you sent the Holy Spirit to live within us. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for equipping us and empowering us to do the work that draws people back to Jesus. We love you. We thank you. And pray these things in your powerful name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ and then make him known.